0: Okay, good morning, Oaks Church. Uh, my name is Ed Rocha. I'm one of the elders here at church. And I was selected to preach this morning because our theme is the rock and Rocha. In Portuguese, translated to English means rock. So I was the natural guy to, to preach today. So one more time, I'll have the, the privilege and the responsibility to be presenting the Word of God for, for us. If you have been here through the last several months, we have been going through the Sermon on the Mount. And this morning, we're going to go through the closing that Jesus does to that uh, phenomenal uh, sermon. If you want to have your Bibles prepared, uh, please open in Matthew 7, 24 to 27. If you're doing from your apps, uh, we use the ESV translation. So then you're going to have the same wording that we're going to be using when we read here. We need the power of the Holy Spirit guiding us this morning to to understand His Word. So let's pray right now. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity and the freedom that we have to to be here this morning to open Your Word and to try to understand Your message for us uh, this morning, Lord. That Your Holy Spirit may be here uh, guiding us, uh, touching the hearts of each person here that will be hearing that we may be. Committed to do your words, to put in practice the words that we're going to hear this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, as we went through the Sermon on the Mount, this series that uh, we have been having for several months, Jesus addressed several very fundamental topics for, for our practical life. He started by talking about the rewards of humility, meekness, mercifulness, purity, and and more. I mean, when we saw the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, he emphasized that we are, not that we should be, that we are salt and light for the world. He explained the correct way to see anger, lust, retaliation, idolatry, anxiety, judgmentalism, he covers those topics and he really brought it to another level, challenging us to to see it not like the religious people of his time were were seeing. Uh, now, at the same time we have to remind ourselves that all these behaviour related topics that uh, Jesus was talking about are not preconditions to be accepted by God. Okay, that's extremely important. If you look at the whole gospel, that becomes very clear. These are the consequence of having been accepted by God, by his grace and grace alone. Okay, there is nothing we can do to merit this relationship with God. It's only by his grace that we can enter it. Now, when we enter it, There are expectations of what is the natural consequence of you having this relationship with him. Consequence, not cause. Okay? Um, This morning lesson is kind of a continuation of Pastor Chris's two last Sunday sermons. Uh, It's Jesus wrapping up the, the sermon and he keeps doing comparisons between two scenarios. You guys heard about the narrow gate versus the wide gate. The the tree that bears fruit and the fruitless tree. The genuine confession of obedience versus the false profession of witness. And all these lessons, and Pastor Chris emphasized that a lot last Sunday, calls for Self-examination. We should not be hearing this in the third person and as a historical description of what Jesus was saying, but be looking at, our, at ourselves. I mean, there are some pretty serious uh, things that Jesus put here. The white gate leads to destruction. The, the tree that does not bear fruit will be cut down and burned. The, false, the people that do the false profession of his name, when in front of him, he, they will hear, this is probably the most scary verse of the Bible for anybody that claims to be a Christian. I never knew you. Depart from me. So again, it, this is serious stuff. I mean, Jesus is not making a simple sermon here. He is talking very seriously here. So today we're going to see the the conclusion. So let's read verses 24 to 27 uh, there. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built this house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. This is the word of the Lord. For those of you that, like me, have been in church most of our lives, this is a very well-known Passage, you guys may remember when you were in VBS 18 uh, years ago, and Miss Grassy, not ours, Miss it would be another one at that time, would uh, be with the kids there and would look at this passage, and uh, she would say, "Who preached the Sermon of the Mount?" And little Johnny, Jesus. Okay. Then she would say, "Who can help us live in a way that makes God happy?" Jesus. I mean you guys remember that. You you were there if you if you have uh, grown up in a in in a in a church. Well, it's famous words, so it may almost we we may fly by them if we are reading our Bible. I mean we're doing the the duel app and we're trying to read the Bible through the ear and or listen. To it, And we can fly by these and remember when we were kids and these things and little songs that we, that we sang about those at, at the time. So I want to really stop and think and examine ourselves. I had an experience. Two weeks ago, I was in South Carolina in one of the plants for our company. And I started talking to a Brazilian colleague there. And I don't even remember exactly how the church topic, came to the conversation, but he said that after he moved to the U.S., he went to a Catholic church because he was Catholic in Brazil. The priest was talking about hell, so he never went again. Then he went to a Baptist church, and the pastor was talking about money, so he never went again. And so he said that him and his wife are using a book or a booklet called The Gospel for the Home or The Gospel at Home, and... That's what they, are, they were using for their uh, spiritual uh, life. And I said, I, I never heard of that. What is that about? He said, well, it's for like self-improvement. It's based on the Gospels. It presents Jesus as this enlightened person who will serve us as a model for us to, to keep growing, to keep getting better. And, and that's what it is. It's, it's, it's very good. I said, hmm, that's interesting. So the the priest said that, talked about hell, and hell is separation from God, and looks like you are trying to improve yourself apart from God. So is, are you kind of practicing for that future there? I mean, what are, you, uh, what are you doing that you are looking at something that claims to be based on the Gospels? And self-improving yourself. I mean, he had kind of this blank stare looking at me, so I appealed to my Josh McDowell from the More Than a Carpenter book that I, I always go to it when I'm uh, talking to people. I said, okay, let me explain. I said, you are using a book that claimed to be based on the Gospels. It talks about Jesus, but presents him as an enlightened person that can be a model. I said, well, Jesus in the Gospels presents himself as the Son of God and as God himself, not an enlightened person. So you have a few options here. Either you will say that Jesus was a liar, he was lying about this thing about being the Son of God and uh, being God himself. But if that's the case, that's not a very good model for you to model your self-improvement Based on that, the other option is, he was a lunatic. He thought he was God, he thought he was the son of God, but obviously, he was not making sense. Another very bad example for a model of an enlightened person. So the third option, I mean, you could say, well, I don't even know if he really, the Jesus from the Bible existed uh, the way the Bible claims, so it's, it's a legend. Well, again, a third bad reason to use that as a, as a model for your life. You are working hard to improve yourself based on a model that's either a liar, a lunatic, or a legend. Now, if he was who he claimed he was, the Son of God and God himself, then he's way more than a model of an enlightened person. He is the Lord. And that's a big difference than improving yourself based on your own efforts instead of following the one who is the Lord, who is the creator of the universe. So I thought about starting the sermon this morning, saying that I'll be talking to the fools uh, this morning. But I thought that maybe I would lose some of the audience. Some people would be offended and either would leave or turn off. And uh, So... I start this with this summary about my friend to kind of pass the idea without being so so blunt so let 's keep going here we 're going to do in an expository format the way we we like to go through the through the word so let 's go back to the to the verse and imagine Jesus sitting there probably on a on a rock by the Sea of Galilee, and the people are I didn't bring a prop today, so I have to improvise, okay? (laughs) He's talking and the people are sitting on the the side of the mount there. Maybe at this point of the sermon he even stood up because he's concluding, he's he's putting a, a, a conclusion to his sermon. So he starts by saying, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, let's take that portion first. You notice that he starts with everyone. So it seems to be, that his target audience was pretty wide. So maybe you are even included on that, everyone. Let's keep going here, see what else he he said. The second word is then. So obviously, he is making reference to what he has been talking about in this sermon up to that point, right? I mean, it's then or therefore appears in many cases in the Bible uh, as the wrapping up of what was being said before. Then he continues and he mentions the first uh, condition, who hears. So everyone who hears. So that's the first condition for this text to to make sense. You have to hear what he's going to be saying. So everyone who hears the message, again, you have been in church for a long time, so you may be part of the everyone who hears right? I mean, you have heard the message a lot of times. But here's what. These words of mine, again, he is making reference to everything he has been teaching in, uh, in this sermon. So, so everyone who hears these words of mine, then he continues, and thus them, another translation says, and puts them into practice probably works a little better for our uh, understanding there. So everyone then who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Okay, that's the, the group he's going to be talking next. Okay, and then he goes on on what I would call a parable. I mean, he's making a, a little side story to illustrate the, the point. It's again a comparison about two situations. Remember the narrow gate, wide gate, the truth, the, the trees, and the obedient and the disobedient here, two builders. And Ryan is is a builder. Maybe if you need some ask some questions about foundation, you can talk to him after the service. Jesus talks about two men. They both built a house, right? Maybe a similar house. Maybe even in the same general area. Uh, Joe MacArthur says, well, the same storm hits both. So maybe they were... uh, neighbors, they were nearby uh, each other. The wise built on the rock, the fool built on the sand. As I was studying to put this sermon together, I was reading, and apparently in that area of the Sea of Galilee, the sand would get real hard, like crusty, with the sun hitting it and with the, the dryness of the area. That someone could think that that was Good enough of a foundation to build a house. Well, a fool could consider uh, that. So, then the the, the rest of the verse will talk about the natural disasters that come. And the interesting thing is the rain, the floods, the wind were totally predictable. If you lived nearby the Sea of Galilee, you knew those were coming. It's not if, it's when. You knew they were coming. I mean, you are in Florida, you know that there could be a hurricane, and you'd better have those steel things closing the windows. If you live in in California, you know that uh, uh, an earthquake will come at some point, so you'd better have a building that can survive an earthquake. You live in Ohio, there will be snow or whatever uh, else we have in Ohio that uh, you need to be prepared for. So if you live in that area, you knew that what Jesus was talking about was not a vague possibility was something that was totally predictable it was coming the 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 storm was coming well obviously the parallel here that jesus is doing here a parable the construction of this house is obviously talking about one's life right i mean jesus is not teaching how to build a house he's teaching how to build a life and the foundation has to survive the natural disasters that will come. Well, tying Jesus' introduction that we just described with the parable, we say, okay, hearing the words and doing them, wise. Hearing the words and not doing them, fool. Okay, that's clearly what he is uh, doing here. And the hear and do, we need the combination of both to get the result, right? To be the wise, you need to hear and do. So again, you're in church, I guarantee that the hear part, you nail it. I mean, right? You have been around, you have heard a lot. So let's focus a little bit on the, on the doing uh, part, the practice part. Uh, obviously, Jesus was targeting the sermon primarily to the people that were there hearing him and not committed to what they were hearing, to apply that in in the construction of their lives. So here today, he is doing the same thing. I mean, he's talking to the people here that every Sunday come here, have nailed the hearing part, but could very well have stopped it there. He could be talking to you. Could you be the fool in the story? I think if I could read your mind, you're saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not the fool in the story. I'm putting all these things into practice in my life. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm the wise one. I'm not the, the fool. Well, please keep, keep self-examining yourself. I mean, do you remember when Jesus starts, he talks about being humble, merciful, pure, seeking first the kingdom of God, laying up treasures in heaven. He's talking about, Radical submission, not legalism, obedience for his glory. Radical righteousness, not self-righteousness, but the righteousness inputted by him through Jesus Christ to our lives. I hope you are passing the, the self-examination test. So glory be to God that you are uh, finding yourself on the wise side of this, this deal. Now, let's talk a little bit about the natural disasters that uh, Jesus lists in this. Could they mean adversities in life? Possibly. Obviously, when we go through hard times in our lives, we need a solid foundation. But going back to the verses that Pastor Chris was teaching the last two Sundays, it seems to be more than that. It seems to be more than just adversities of life. Uh, I mean, he talks about the wide path to destruction. He talked about the tree being cut down and thrown in fire. He talked about not recognizing the disobedient apart from me. This sounds more serious than a hard time in in life that we all uh, go through. And he concludes saying, that house falling a great fall. Dave Platt is even more radical than I'm being on this. What is the probable meaning of this? He says like this. He's not talking about the storms of life. Those storms are real and they are painful. Storms like cancer, divorce, losing a loved one. And the Bible certainly addressed them. However, Jesus is referring to a cataclysmic reality, a final and early devastating storm of the future judgment of God. Wow. That makes us stop and really think about this text. I mean, he's not talking, well, if you don't follow Jesus, your life will be hard. That's, that's not what this text is talking about. The image of a storm is a representation a representation of God's final judgment. And again, if we had time, we could go through several verses. Actually, you go back to Isaiah and Jeremiah, and the, the word storm is used in comparison to that final judgment of God. I just picked one here on words of Jesus himself on Matthew 24, 37 to 39, where he says, For as were the days of Noah, so it will be the coming of the Son of Man, for as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So more likely, this fall of the house built on the sand is making reference to final judgment and eternal separation from God. So it, it's maybe even more serious than we thought when we were in Miss Grass's school there in the, in, in when we were kids. Maybe this thing is more serious. Psalm 14:1 says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So here is our fool friend again, the same one that built the house on the sand. He's saying, there is no God. So The putting Jesus' words into practice can't be understood as by doing the right things to become acceptable by God. I know I mentioned that in the beginning, but it's so important that I don't want anybody to miss that. It's not proposing a merit system, not even legalism, okay? He is making clear that the expectations for Jesus' followers is a life of righteousness. Our salvation is by God's grace, not by something else. I mean, so please do not misinterpret this. But he is talking about radical submission, a result of a regenerated life, justified and in the process of sanctification. Okay? It's consequence, not cause. Radical righteousness, not self-righteousness, but Christ's righteousness imputed in us. That's the, the recipe here. Our church name comes from Isaiah 61:3, second part of the verse, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. We mean it. We mean it. I mean, by selecting this name, we mean that we intend to be oaks of righteousness. Now, John MacArthur says, I'm not talking about perfection, but direction. It's the way we are building our life, the direction we are building our life. I don't want anybody to live here depressed today, saying, but I'm not perfect, so I'm in trouble. I'm probably the fool. Well, you, we all fall, sh- fall short in, in many areas. My house is still under construction. It's missing some windows, some shingles on the side, and several areas that are... Uh, incomplete. It's a matter of the heart. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the one convicting and empowering you. Yeah. It's a sobering test. Who are you in this story? The wise or the fool? Paul put this way in uh, Ephesians 5:15 through 17. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. May I suggest that we conclude as a self-examination as we, as David did in his, in his prayer, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. He prays, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there is any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting." Radical submission, a result of a regenerated life, justified and in the process of sanctification. That's what we are proposing here. Now, for a final kick, look at all this from the opposite perspective. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul says, For the message of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So, the, the ones that disconsider the word of God may call us fools by what we are doing in, in a reverse position to what we, we say here. So, I think we we want to be that kind of fool. So let's be the right kind of fool, trusting Jesus, the solid rock. Little Johnny was right. The answer is Jesus to the question. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning, for your warning for our lives, Lord, that uh, you may be working in our hearts, that we may be looking at you for. Each moment in our, in our lives, that we may be praising you, pleasing you, Lord, that uh, we may recognize you as Lord of our, of our lives, and in, in every moment we may be exalting your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.